0: glad you're with us. 800 941 Sean, you want to be a part of this extravaganza. i got some new developments we're going to get to as... And I, I'm going to have to explain to the media, the mob, as you call them, and uh, Democrats, not that they care to hear why. Why is it important to have integrity and confidence in elections? I, 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 I guess I have to give them a 101 on what it means you know, it's amazing. Ron Johnson had a great line. He goes, you know, they spent four years on Trump-Russia collusion, and, and it all turned out to be false. We can spend four weeks and make sure that there's integrity and competence in the results of the election. Uh, that is an understatement of all understatement, uh, understatements. Um, you've got Trump supporters attacked and beaten after Saturday's MAGA rally. We in the mob, by the way, the media act like it didn't happen. Many networks didn't even cover it. Don't have any interest in covering it. So we'll get to that today, too. Um, Also, I'm going to explain we'll get into the Dominion. But there's there's a bigger issue in Georgia that I've got to explain to people here. That is and, and I've discussed it. I'm paying attention to it. And this this dopey governor down in Georgia is not getting his act together, seems to be hiding out in the governor's mansion, just, you know, scared to death to assert himself to fix what is a double standard in terms of checking signatures. You can't have that in an election process. Stacey Abrams, by the way, Georgia already bragging 600,000 mail in ballot requests you're going to see in Georgia. An onslaught of it may be as high, I've seen estimates as high as a billion dollars that is going to be spent by, I guess, both sides. But the Democrats, all this money flowing in from Hollywood, don't you don't the people of Georgia love the people in Hollywood telling them how they ought to be voting and an all out push. Biden pledging to go down there and campaign uh, for the Democrats running for these two runoff Senate seats. Um, and I'm telling you, if Georgia if Georgia Republicans and patriots don't get out and vote, it is your worst nightmare. If uh, if it, if if at the end of this process, it's Joe Biden hiding Biden, Trump, President Trump in exile. That might be their worst nightmare, too, because how often do you think they're going to put Biden out? How often can Joe Biden go out and talk to the American people? You want to venture a guess? He's going to hide as much as he hid the campaign. And the mob, the media, they'll give him full cover. Before we get to that, i got to, I just, this is such huge news. When you think of all we've been through, January 21st, first case of coronavirus identified in America, first case. And here we are with now a second vaccine that has been developed by our friends at Moderna. And all these companies deserve a lot of credit. Pfizer, I know Johnson & Johnson, I, know, I can't even name AstraZeneca. They're all, all went all in. What I do love about pharmaceutical companies are like everybody else, they're competitive. And they all wanted, you know, they, we broke down the sequence of this virus faster than has ever happened in history. And now they're in the they're finishing the final stage human trials. And we got the announcement from Pfizer last Monday perhaps a Monday too late, but putting that aside, that it's 90% effective. Now, Moderna announced today their vaccine, their, their phase three trial data shows that their coronavirus vaccine is more than 94.5% effective in preventing COVID-19, a result their CEO called a game-changer. Now, the analysis evaluated the 95 confirmed COVID-19 infections among the trials, 30,000 participants. That's it. And Moderna, which developed its vaccine in, in collaboration with the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, said 90 cases of COVID-19 were observed in the placebo group versus five cases observed in the group that received its two-dose vaccine. Now, that resulted in an estimated ninety efficacy of 94.5%. So between Moderna and Pfizer, uh, the Health and Human Services Secretary Azar said that there will be roughly 40 million doses of vaccine available by the end of this year, enough to inoculate about 20 million people since both vaccines require two shots. The goal to provide enough coronavirus vaccine doses to any American that wants to be vaccinated against the disease, you know, by by the second quarter of next year, which means that, you know, this long nightmare, you know, hopefully is is coming to an end. Even even I'm not sure why Fauci was out there saying social distancing masks will still be necessary after getting the vaccine. You know, once somebody has been immunized, once the process is complete, that we can take our mask off. Fauci said, well, I recommend uh, that is not the case. I'd recommend you have an added area of protection. Um, why, you know, at some point, do we get to live life again? And Biden pushing his mask mandate. I just want to stop for a second and just say, you know, to all the people that work so hard on this, I mean, you just got to think of our medical researchers, scientists, you know, people devote their entire life and their, their entire careers to, to viruses. And vaccines and keeping people alive and working so hard. It just is a tribute to the the brilliant minds um, of so many in in the medical community. And they deserve our thanks and our praise today, for sure. Um, Let me let me get to a couple of things here. What I guess we're up to 72 plus million people voted for Donald Trump. A lot of these states, as we all see, zero point. Uh, 0.03% separation, very close, razor-thin margins. Let me explain to those on the left that spent four years, and that being the media mob and that being the Democratic Party, uh, delegitimizing Donald Trump's victory in 2016 and never accepting the results of the 2016 election, is this is the United States of America, Case you didn't know, this, I know you know. Okay, but my point is this: Why are you so reluctant and resistant to to ensuring that the American people have faith, and integrity, and confidence in its result, especially in light of a lot of different things we know that have gone on? For example. We now know that in Pennsylvania, just days before the election, that they illegally extended the time that, that when ballots came in to three additional days. And we saw the court decision in Pennsylvania, the ruling for the president last week, and not allowed to do that. That can't happen in this country. But it did happen this year. That's not playing by the rules, the rule of law. That is not fair. You're asking, well, why do people not trust the results? Why do people have questions? There's one reason right there. We know every swing state now, because we have probably gone over this in more detail than uh, than most other people, has laws that specifically allow partisan observers, both sides, to watch over the entire process. And that means watch every single solitary vote being tabulated and being counted. And then you've heard these people on TV that were there to do that job that were told that they had to, quote, observe from 100 feet away. And other people filing affidavits, they were allowed to observe from 20 feet away or because of social distancing, six feet away. I don't know about most of you. Six feet away I don't think you can really see enough. Now, knowing that we needed social distancing considerations, they could have easily set up a system where somebody opens a ballot, tabulating a ballot, opening an envelope, whatever it happened to be, and then goes over, carefully places it six feet away. And then the Republican can go in and observe and then the Democrat can go in and observe and either challenge it or not challenge it. That would have been very easy to handle. That did not happen. And we hear more people saying it every day. We're going to get to this Dominion program in a second here. Um, Now, because I think we need the best voting machines available, and I'll explain why that's a big issue. And, you know, all these people, like, for example, the one Michigan County, now we have in every state these affidavits have been signed under the threat of perjury by eyewitnesses telling their stories about how things were not, done the proper way for example if it's the law that partisan observers get to watch the counting from start to finish and it didn't happen well then it raises questions about why and then it questions the integrity and the fairness and whether the law was broken and all these people are now signing these affidavits and it just gets dismissed as being meaningless Now, I don't know about any of you. I mean, regardless of who you might support to be the president, elected president of the United States. I tend to think that you're not going to lie in an affidavit with the threat of perjury uh, because your candidate lost or you think that your candidate lost. I don't know. I have a hard time. Now, if it's five people, I could believe that. Ten people, maybe two dozen, three dozen. Hundreds and hundreds signing affidavits, threat of perjury. Uh, I don't think that many people would do that. I don't I wouldn't do it under any circumstances. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of questions here. So let me tell you where this has evolved into. Now, I, I think we've been one of the only people really highlighting this. And now it's getting a lot more attention. And this is why the dopey governor down in Georgia needs to, call in the legislature, and solve some of the problems. There was a lawsuit earlier this year by the Georgia Democratic Party, the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, and as a result of that lawsuit came a consent decree. Now, if you're a same-day voter in Georgia, you go in, you show your a uh, picture ID, Uh, They check your signature, verify your signature based on a software data system they have. It matches. You go, you you cast your ballot. As part of this lawsuit, consent decree agreement, that now changed for people that wanted mail-in ballots. You can't have two sets of standards for signature verification. And what that means is is if you requested a mail-in ballot in Georgia... Then, as long as the request and the ballot, as long as those signatures match, they said, okay, well, that will be good enough. But that's not the same standard as the rest of the state. Now, that would be a lack of equal justice, wouldn't it? Seems to me, double standard. And it seems to me you need a unified system. And if you check the signatures, which is what I would be insisting on down in Georgia right now and what the governor ought to call the, le- the state legislature back in session for this way, everybody can have faith and confidence in whatever the result is, because Georgia is about to be inundated with millions. And I mean millions of dollars from every leftist group, every leftist cause, every Hollywood lib, every liberal Democrat. Now to influence the people of Georgia and these two Senate runoff seats are a big deal and why the governor is not making sure that there are uniform standards I for the life of me will never understand makes no sense and he's like in hiding in the governor's mansion. All right Sean toll free uh, number you want to be a part of the program so there should be one standard now. My understanding is, and I have no idea why the Secretary of State is doing what he's doing down in Georgia either, and he's claiming the absentee ballots required photo ID, but that is only for those that went online to request a ballot, not those who requested one by mail, which was the vast majority of absentee ballots. I mean, are they just, you know, if I'm knowing more about them than they are that concerns me i i mean this this is where a lot of this gets frustrating and you know republicans just just never seem to learn or unite or know how you know look at what what hillary clinton had said before the election right never joe biden should never concede to donald trump uh joe biden bragging i guess eric holder was heading it up 600 lawyers all around the country all ready to go um what were they what were they hoping for now i'm going to explain this thing as i understand it as it relates to the uh dominion software issue i've explained it before but i'll explain it again because so many of you i know have questions about it and what i know about it and uh with some new information that i have that i want to share with you on all of this uh a lot coming on a lot coming up in the course of the program today uh including our friend Doug Collins is going to be with us. Our friend Jim Gray, he's written a great book. Uh, and we'll be checking in with David Schoen and Greg Jarrett much, much more. We'll get to your calls all throughout the day. News information, I promise you, the mob, the media will never give you. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean is our number. We'll get to your calls. Sit tight. You thinking of frying a turkey this year? I am. We'll continue. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. You know, I find this just, these, these are really interesting times we live in here. All the calls for, well, we've now got to unite. The election is over. Accept uh, uh, the results immediately. I find this fascinating. When, uh, when did the, de- where were the Democrats that called for unity when we had four separate investigations? And the lies, the conspiracy theories that there was Trump-Russia collusion in the 2016 election. Can you think of or name one Democrat that ever said enough is enough? Is there one Democrat that read the Mueller report, the fourth investigation at that time, that said no evidence exists, that ever said, okay, can we let this go now? Nobody did. Or the fact that Hillary had her dirty dossier, or that the dirty, unverifiable, debunked, dirty dossier she paid for became the bulk of information without by the way, three people now on record. Andrew McCabe, Sally Yates, I forget the third one. That all now say Rod Rosenstein. All saying knowing what they know now, they wouldn't have signed the FISA applications. Oh. Any Democrat ever say, come out and say, we can't have FISA abuse like this and FISA fraud like this? Not one. Not a single Democrat. Was there one honest Democrat that sat as the phony, you know, Zelensky phone call with, you know, led by a non-whistleblower whistleblower? One fact witness. Every other witness was either an opinion witness or a hearsay witness. Did any one of them say that Joe Biden on tape bragging he leveraged a billion dollars was wrong so that he'd stop the investigation and fire a prosecutor investigating his son who admitted on GMA had no experience being paid millions? None. Did any of them ever condemn the monies that and the deal in China that Hunter Biden made? None. Did any of them ever question the the Russian wire transfer first lady of Moscow that Ron Johnson and Chuck Grassley are talking about none so you know these calls for for unity they ring hollow as Ron Johnson said okay you spent four years smearing slandering the president we could spend four weeks investigating whether or not with, the, with the, again none of this had ever happened before Where you have 10 million, you know, tens of millions of ballots just sent out. Or the signature issue that I just mentioned down in the state of Georgia that its Republican governor seems to have no desire to deal with. Which is mind numbing in and of itself. Let me explain because I and let me just say up front, I have zero. Clue about what happened with and I'm not a software guy. I'm not an election machine expert. I'm not going to claim to be one, but. Uh, And I explained this before, but I'll explain it again because you keep hearing about it and I keep reading about it and people keep talking about it on TV. Uh, This Dominion software issue. I am just going to tell you everything that I've been able to do in our deep dive and dig into it so you understand exactly what it is people are talking about. And it was used by 28 states, including a lot of the swing states. Like, for example, uh, we know it was used in the state of Georgia. Take that one, for example all 159 counties in Georgia. So Dominion came under fire after, if you remember and recall, we had Laura Cox on this program and we had this one county and over 40 counties of the 80 counties of Michigan use the Dominion machines, software, et cetera, uh, as a means of tabulating their votes. Okay, the one county, they, the 6,000 votes that were switched, that were Trump votes to Biden. All right. Now, the, the company's saying everybody's saying that was a that was human error in that particular case. That was Dominion statement. That was, I, I, I guess, what the Democrats up there saying, OK, whatever. But if you look at during Georgia's primary and, and again, to me, I think they're looking at the wrong issue. I think it should be check the signature for the mail in ballot requests the same way you were supposed to check them with those people that voted in person because otherwise now you've got two different sets of standard because there are signatures on record and the signature of the applicant and the signature of the ballot is not the same system as the signature that is in the database that every other voter had to have their signature checked with signature verification in Georgia. Okay. Separate issue. So, If you look at the issues that have come up and and the questions that are being raised here, here is what I find fascinating because it's, it's so widespread. When we did our deep dive into this, the criticism of Dominion, it actually shocked me. Now, there were many reports, for example, the... And again, they're claiming human error. I'm telling you exactly. We got, we got the first statement from them for Hannity for the TV show. But even, the, let me quote the New York Times on Dominion. This is not conservatism here. Quote, in some cases, the new machines require too much extra power for aging polling locations, blowing fuses, and never powering on and never even being able to power on. And others, workers who were still being trained just days before the election struggled with the setup. The Times went on and it said the electronic poll books also knew were plagued by freezing software and, quote, user error. Now, keep in mind, during the presidential election, Dominion voting machines were used in all of Georgia's 159 counties. And again, a state with a razor thin margin. Now the question's got to be asked, OK, and I think this would be easily figured out anyway. I don't, I don't think this is a really big, deep dive here. And the, it would be you get a Republican expert, software, voting machine expert, Democratic expert, software, voting machine expert. Sean Hannity's not one. And let them both look at it forensically. And, and I would think you're probably able to come to a fairly quick answer. Uh, that should not be, I think, something that would be that difficult to figure out. But again, I have a hard time downloading app. So now my question runs a little bit deeper than this, though. Now, then you go and you look, we do, we dug a little bit deeper. And what did we find if, you know, we found that in 2018, the Associated Press reported that Dominion, quote, long skimped on security in favor of convenience, making it more difficult to detect intrusions huh ap is saying it new york times is saying it um then i went through in great specificity and great detail how the secretary of state of texas how the attorney general in texas not once but twice in 2019 rejected the systems and you know for failing to meet their basic security standards And then we found out they had previously also rejected it in 2013. But they gave very specific reasons after they tested the machines twice, two separate occasions, rejecting it both times in 2019 of the difficulties and the failures within the system that they found. Then in 2018, we were able to find a prominent tenured Princeton professor, a guy that actually specializes. I never knew this was a specialty in election machinery and policy security. Well the professor's name is Andrew Rapel. We invited him on the show, he turned us down. Anyway, he issued what was an op ed blasting dominion over security concerns. And what he said is quote, so again now you got AP, you got New York Times, you got a Princeton professor. I doubt any of them are conservative. But he said, quote, in 2018, that the Dominion Image Cast Evolution looks like a pretty good voting machine, but it has a serious design flaw. That's what he said. Okay. He says after you mark your ballot, after you review your ballot, the voting machine can print more votes on it. Then the tenured professor of Princeton said in 2018. Of course, the legitimate software installed by Dominion won't do that, but the machine is physically capable of it, and fraudulent software can exploit this ability. And I guess the only way you'd be able to find the integrity of that is to have you know, some computer genius forensic guy, of which I am not, look into that and check it out. And then during a hearing on Capitol Hill, well, the same Princeton professor Dr. Appel explained how fraudulent software could be used to seriously alter our elections. Each voting machine is a computer running a computer program. Whether that computer counts the votes accurately or makes mistakes or cheats
1: by shifting votes from one candidate to another depends on what software is installed in the computer. Installing new software is how you hack a voting machine to cheat. I wrote a vote-stealing computer program that shifts votes from one candidate to another. Installing that vote-stealing program in a voting machine takes seven minutes per machine with a screwdriver. But really, the software I built was not rocket science.
0: Any computer programmer could write the same code. Once it's installed, it could steal elections without detection for years to come. That's a pretty damning, powerful testimony from a guy that's an expert that specializes in election machinery. Uh, And then, by the way, you know, he says of why shouldn't we be paying attention to this now we had liberal democrats ron wyden and elizabeth warren and all these they were the ones that were against these voting machine systems um now well what are you saying hannity i'm just saying i don't know i'm saying how could i possibly know i'm not a computer expert i'm not a voting machine expert uh i i know i can barely download an app but when you got the New York Times, the Associated Press, a liberal tenured professor at Princeton, Democratic senators like Elizabeth Warren and Wyden, uh very, very critical in congressional testimony, the Attorney General Secretary of State of Texas in twenty nineteen rejecting the system, then the question is, well, why did so many states then adopt this system? That's the question I would have. In other words, I would think this is not a Republican or Democratic issue. I would think this isn't about conservatism or liberalism. I would think that every American wants election results that have integrity, that people at the end of the process are going to have confidence in a system that we can easily and absolutely ensure is accurate and fair and that means that if these questions existed in 2019 18 and 17 by again people that don't even like me like the new york times um and texas with a very powerfully written and and we did this both on radio and tv uh report on the system um is this the best we can do? Ask that question because that's the question I'm asking because I think I I believe the American people deserve the best system. Do I know what the best system is? Nope. Do I think last minute changes to laws are healthy? Nope. Do I think when you don't allow as the law and statutory language calls for partisan observers to observe? Do I think that undermines confidence in the system? Yeah, I do. And I would think that if the results were on the other foot, Democrats would feel the same way. You know, look, you're talking about razor thin margins here. So for those that for four years had no problem undermining the current president of the United States, duly elected from their lies, their hoax, their conspiracy theory. Do I know that anything untoward happened with the machines? I do not do I know if this was this human error in this one Michigan district, as Dominion says? I do not. I, how would I know? I'm not that person that can figure that out. But I think you can easily, if you want to, if you want people to have confidence, that seems like the the best antidote to me. Let let the experts, one on each side, go in and, and see what they find. Um and give the American people the time so that it would bring the confidence that you want in the results of the election. And I don't know why some people would be afraid of doing that. Um, but, you know, you, 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 just, the whole thing from the last minute voting changes, remember the first COVID relief bill was held up because Nancy Pelosi wanted in part changes. The New York times in 2012, warned about the increased risk of fraud and abuse incurred with mail-in voting. They ran a front-page story on it in 2012, casting grave doubt on the reliability of widespread mail-in voting. Now you've got, I think, this Thomas Friedman, isn't he joining one of the Democratic presidential guys, saying, yeah, go move to Georgia. Yeah, move to Georgia just so you can vote in this, this, this election down there. As if it's not bad enough that Georgia's gonna be inundated with Hollywood money left and right and sideways and everywhere in between. All right, eight hundred-nine four one Sean is a toe free tie. I hope it gave you the understanding of what where the questions are coming from. I'm doing it to the best of my ability. When I found that owl out, I'm like, I'll just quote every liberal outlet because they're the ones that have been warning about it. I didn't even know about it. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show, eight hundred nine four one. 941 Sean. If you want to be a part of the program. There is a uh, field organizer working to elect John Ossoff. That's the, one of the races down in Georgia, Senate races on January fifth. And uh, anyway, telling Project Veritas uh, and their action fund uh, journalists in the campaign portraying Ossoff as a as a moderate to fool the voters. Quote: On the surface, he tries to portray himself as uh, left of moderate. So that all the Georgians, not us Georgians, but all the rednecks and all that stuff will be like, oh, he's kind of cool. According to this one self-professed progressive uh, looking forward to a career in Georgia politics. If John was running as a progressive within like the Fifth District of Georgia, which is all African-American, that's one thing that that's the one that John Lewis was running for he could win that pretty much in a landslide but he wants to go for senator and you've got to appeal to the whole state oh so we'll just pretend to be something we're not shocking listen
2: he has to win this election he's not gonna win the election as a progressive and that's that's basically it at a certain point we have to wait for like the boomers to die off do you think like the georgians are stupid enough now? yeah you can spread that to like your you know, other progressive friends keep, keep this on low-key on the surface he tries to portray himself as like left of moderate so that all the Georgians you know all the not not us Georgians but all like the, the rednecks and all that stuff will be like oh he's kind of cool but he's not like so far to the left that i'm not cool with that but deep down he's like low-key low-key like pro, yeah progressive so something that keeps you pumped up, especially because I know he's gonna win. He's gonna he's gonna do he's gonna do what it takes to uh help us out. I know it's and then it's gonna take you know the rest of the states as well. Cause. And John is genuine to a certain point but he can't show his like true stuff like a hundred percent of the time. So that's the tough part about campaigning in purple or like red states. Yeah. The people here are not open-minded on, in like a in like a overall sense, right? Like you have like there's like maybe 40% of the population are or 45 but then the rest are of a different breed or a different kind. He was running as progressive within like the 5th district of Georgia which is like all black. That's the one that John Lewis the civil rights activist was running for. He could win that you know, pretty much a landslide but he wants to go for senator. Senator you have to appeal to the whole state. Our whole state isn't progressive. It's like more moderate, right? I'm a super progressive. Okay. And so. Like,
0: what do you mean, like how progressive? Um, uh,
2: I recently did. One of my friends sent me like this poll, and it, I read it, I did it, and it called me a libertarian socialist. A libertarian. <laughs> yeah.
3: Hey, I that sounds awesome. Not that, not that.
2: Uh, you know, not that John is one. It's just that my my policy or my beliefs are even. I
4: mean, I I'm yeah. not gonna lie. Just like. Yeah. I, I, I think he's a low-key progressive,
0: and
2: I'm very happy about it. He's what? I, I, I like to think that he is, in fact, a low-key progressive. and I'm. He is a low-key progressive. I, I, can, I can say that
0: as a fact. I can say that as a fact. Anyway, joining us, uh, Congressman Doug Collins, uh, and uh, he knows a lot about the state of Georgia. Uh, did you hear about that Project Veritas tape? I'm like, oh, of course he's really radical left, but we're going to hide it from the people of Georgia. Oh, excuse me. The rednecks in Georgia uh, to convince them that he's something that he's not.
4: Yeah, Sean, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, it, look, they come down here. The liberals come down here. They think that, that the rest of us out here are just you know deplorable rednecks, the ones who don't get it that we can be uh, you know manipulated. And look, the problem is 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 everybody knows who John Ossoff is. He is not modern. He's not even trying to be moderate. He is he is uh, a liberal in the vein of of uh, you know. The AOC and the rest of them, and look, you know, if I was that down here, I'd try to hide it as well. But the people are, going see, are seeing through it, and they're being, you know, being told. So it's just look, it's just another liberal line that believes that unless you think like I do, then you're wrong, you're ignorant, you're backwards, and, and it's time we just stop and stood up to this, you know, the nonsense.
0: All right, let's. We got a couple of things going on simultaneously. Now, one of the things that I spent a lot of time talking to a lot of people on the ground in Georgia, and. Everybody that I know is pretty ticked off at your governor, including me. And if you want to set me straight on this, you can. Um, And also the Secretary of State. Uh, You know, apparently this consent decree after a lawsuit in the early part of this year by the Georgia Democratic Party, the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, uh, that there was a consent decree that created two standards of signatures. And, for example, if you are a day of voter in the state of Georgia, correct me if I'm wrong, you go in, you show your photo photo ID, they check it with the database of signatures, make sure the signature matches, you vote, it's all set. But as part of this uh, consent decree earlier this year, they allowed those requesting mail-in ballots, if you made an application, and as long as the application signature matches the ballot signature that would suffice and they wouldn't go to the database that every other voter had to use is that true
4: that is true everything that you just said is true and everything that you just said is, is we've been very frustrated and i made it very clear you know that that there's been you know numerous issues that have been going on but that one right there because that one hit at the very heart of you know verifying signatures the state law down here says that you have to verify the verification must be made. What it doesn't say is that, you know, as in most logical thinking people, they go back to the original voter registration signature that you made. What this consent decree did was actually specify that only one signature had to match. In other words, opening up the problematic that we see here is as you just described: the same person who, who fills out the application for a ballot would actually fill the uh, sign the ballot, thus creating what we'll just call a, a self-licking solution here. To the problem. So this is why it's very difficult because once also in Georgia, there's another issue you need to know down here, Sean, from From even from here, the time is that the ballot itself has no identifying voter ID number on it. that would identify it back to the envelopes in which it came in. So once they are separated from the envelope, in essence, you have limited to no remedy because once it is separated, the ballot looks like the other ballots and you can't bring them back. So even if you were to find out that the signature match was the problem in some way, which is another long, in-depth process to get through, they can't get the ballot back. So this this has been a messed-up process. It's got to be fixed. Voter ID has to be added to some kind of identifying mark to the ballot so itself. We've got to fix a true certified signature match if you're going to do an absentee ballot um, so that we can actually uh, perfect this. This is the problem that we've been having down here, but that consent decree has made that you know virtually impossible but, to go back and now
0: regret but, but your governor kemp and secretary of state uh they refused to, for the legislature to get back in session to make these obvious fixes which would make it fair for the entire state of georgia in the lead-up to these uh these senate runoffs january 5th uh they they refused to call the special session i understand that it's the governor only he could do it and he's refusing to do it why
4: because he his, the, excuse, the the reason he's given is that you if he was to they were go through it and they were to make these changes they the you know they immediately said that the ju- that they would not hand up stand up legally in court because you're changing uh the process in which you're doing it in the middle of a already going on election i i mean that's the excuse they're giving the problem is is when you signed this consent decree at the in the middle of this year and by the way you had secretary raffenberger send out uh, ba- uh, requests for absentee ballots to every registered voter in the state of Georgia. Um, that included several folks who got multiple requests for absentee ballots because of different addresses that they may have. This just exasperated a bad problem. They can't fix it in the sense that they won't be, but he, that's the reason that it was given is that uh, they can't fix it in the middle and that they're going to have to wait till January to do it.
0: So there's no way that you see this governor... Moving towards fixing obvious problems and an inconsistent standard, and this has been an argument like Lynn Wood has been making down there, and and it seems like it's falling on deaf ears in the governor's office. Have you talked to the governor? No, he ain't
4: called me remember there's a there's a little bit of an issue there, but uh Ian called me, but uh, look, Lynn has hit the right note on this this lawsuit. Lynn has attacked the the lawsuit he's got the lawsuit filed and and this will be where you know hopefully you know there'll be some issues that he can point out and bring out, but no. I'll just say at this point there is has not uh, been, and, and again I gave you the legal uh, the reason that the governor has given the legal reason, and you know it it is the reason they're using is to not call in a special session. But the only other alternative for a special session is three fifths of the legislature, and there's not three fifths of the legislature that would would sign to come into special session.
0: That's so. Well, what are the options at this point, if any?
4: To get it fixed before January is none. Uh, but as far as that goes, as far as to legally fix it, put it back in the law. Uh, if Lynn Woods uh, lawsuit can move forward, then there may be that, that is a possibility to, uh, look at there. But then again, again, as with all legal proceedings, they take time. You got to have discovery. You got to have some other things that will go along with this. So right now, the problem is, is what they concocted with the Democrats back in the spring is now hamstring, uh, this election to make sure that uh, the signature verifications were there. And again, Sean, this, this should affect, I mean, the Democrats are thrilled about this, but at the end of the day, it's about every legal vote and making sure that, that the, any vote that shouldn't have been counted shouldn't been counted. And now it's made it very difficult because of some decisions made uh, earlier this year, especially in the Secretary of State's office.
0: But wait a minute, so now you've got Stacey Abrams bragging out there that they've got 600,000 requests for mail-in ballots already. Here we go again. And I'm talking to guys like Matt Towery. He's been polling the state for all these years. He says, uh, yeah, these two seats are not a slam dunk. Uh, as a matter of fact, they could be lost easily. His words, not mine. And it's seemingly the governor doesn't even care, doesn't even see. Well, maybe what do you think about running against him in a, in a primary? And is there nothing the people of Georgia can do in all of this?
4: Well, I think right now they just need to make their frustrations known. I think the issue is is, is that, you know, well, making stem-
0: frustrations known doesn't get the su- problem solved.
4: No, I, I don't disagree with you, Sean. But again, the, this was set in motion earlier this year, and and it, it sort of doubled down on itself. The other thing is, though, is, too, and I'm going to take it to the other, one, Republicans also have to fight this as well. They've got to get out and vote. They've got to, you know, to get it to people who uh, get our, our numbers out there because January 5th, is they can't be frustrated by what they're seeing. We can Well, the problem politics. is
0: January 25th, that's now often people go on vacation Christmas week, New Year's week, okay? So that oh, means yeah. that they're going to come back on that Tuesday, that's election day. And I'm not exactly sure how motivated people are going to be just at coming back from vacation or how aware they're going to be over their long vacation about the need to get out and vote. And based on, you know, all the, frankly, You know, fundamental unfairness in a lot of the system that we all see that you would think that, you know, that your governor would want to lift a finger to help the process.
4: Yeah. Well, here's the two things to that. Number one is, yes, it's right after January. it's, It's on January 5th but also the, the for anybody that's going to be out, I'm I'm going to say, just like the Democrats are doing, if you're not going to be around or you don't think you can get there by January 5th, then put in an absentee ballot. Get you one, do it right, do it properly, do it the way you need to, and make this vote. Because, again, frustration is trying to get it fixed. You know, those of us who are getting, you know, Lynn Wood's lawsuit, others that are working through this, we're, we're working to do you know what can be done, but there's under limited conditions when this was done under the color of law through a consent decree. And this was sent out earlier. But people, look, if they take the frustration out, say, I'm not going to vote, I'm not going to do this, then, then you would give the opportunity for Chuck Schumer to control the Senate. That has got to be the overriding motivation for us to get out and elect Senator Perdue and Senator Leffler in this race and then go at it hard as we continue right now to make sure that this this doesn't
0: happen again. All right, Congressman Doug Collins, state of Georgia. Thank you, sir. Good luck. Keep us updated. And by the way, uh, this governor has been the worst. He's been the worst governor I've ever seen in the state of Georgia. I can't believe the utter stupidity on so many levels. I really can't. Everybody should be frustrated down there. All right, we got time for a quick call here. Uh, 800 941 Sean, then our friend Jim Gray is going to check in with us. What a great book uh, he has. All right, down in Georgia, Joe is in L.J. a little worried about this runoff, a little worried about your uh, dopey governor down there.
4: Well, Sean, uh, it's sad, like Doug told you, that, that they, they committed that in a consent degree. That, that was, of course, the wrong thing to do. But I tell you what, I believe your talk show, all I'm doing the next eight weeks is spending all my time on trying to reelect uh, uh, David Perdue and Kelly Leffer, we must elect them. And, Sean, your great talk show, 20 million people, a lot of them in Georgia. That can be a huge factor in reelecting electing both uh, David and Kelly. So I want to urge everybody to get out and vote for them. And I'm calling everybody I've known since I'm five years old. I think we can do it with your help and uh, get, getting our people fired up. And they are fired up because we realize that if we lose control of the Senate, that is terrible because that means Schumer will put in, you know, two more two more states and it it just be a
0: disaster. So I hope the people the most- of Georgia understand how how important their role is in the future of the country here. Um well, and, and there might be a tendency that you know, ah, I just want to go on vacation. All right, go on vacation, but if you're gonna vote absentee, vote absentee. You're gonna vote mail in, vote mail in. If you're gonna vote, vote. If you're planning on voting on January 5th, vote January 5th. Don't If you don't take this seriously, Georgia, it will be an unmitigated disaster of which I don't see how we recover. That's how profound it is.
4: Thank you, Sean. You're the best.
0: All right. We appreciate it. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? Man, I could not put down my friend Jim Gray's book. I'll tell you. We'll explain that coming up next. Uh, also, we got a lot more coming up. David Schoen, Greg Jarrett, we'll get to calls today. 800 941 Sean, if you want to be a part of the program this Monday. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, toll free. 800 941 Sean, if you want to be a part of the program. Um, taking a break to do something just a little a wee bit different. Uh, Jim Gray's been a, a great friend of mine for a long time, uh, one of the great sports broadcasters of all time. And he's been there for some of the most amazing moments in sports that one could ever hope, dream uh, of of being at. Everything from, you know, Tom Brady and Muhammad Ali. Early interviews when Tiger Woods was was so young. I mean, it's just pretty incredible. Mike Tyson, Kobe Bryant, you name it. Muhammad Ali, Michael Phelps, Hank Aaron, Barry Bonds. I mean... Michael Jordan, any big name in sports, he knew, knows all of them. Anyway, I want to play for you just a little bit. I've just finished his book. I, I couldn't put it down the minute I. It's been my great distraction when I get like 15 minutes to just try and unwind. And here's some of the highlights. Think you can beat Holmes?
5: You sound like the local Howard Knuth. <laughs>
0: You play better than you have ever played. As long as I want
6: to continue to play, I think I can be better as a basketball player. That drives
7: drives me. Tiger, what do you think?
3: Can I be your caddy? I want to win all the big tournaments, the major ones, and beat all the pros.
2: Are you a bit embarrassed to be in this situation? Playing a team game, you don't feel like you're deserving of the attention
4: that you get.
7: I broke my back. What do you mean by that? Your back is broken. What, a a vertebrae or or what portion? (laughs) Spinal.
3: Who do you want to fight? Me.
5: (laughs) I plead the fifth. All
0: right, that's all moments from the incredible career. He's been a dear friend of mine now for many, many years. I could not look in in these crazy times we live in. I'd get my 5, 10, 15 minutes to relax, and this is what helped me relax. And he's written a great book. What an amazing life background experience. I mean, every big, huge star athlete you could ever imagine uh, talking to goats. Uh, My friend Jim Gray is with us. How are you, sir?
6: I'm great, John. Thank you so much for that introduction. And I really appreciate it. Thank you for your friendship.
0: uh... We've been friends a long time. And by the way, rarely talk politics, which is better because when I get, you know, and that's the thing about sports that we all love. I mean, I'm looking at this who's who. And in the video, for example, you have how old was Tiger Woods when you first interviewed him?
6: Nine years old. Nine years old. (laughs) He he was just turning ten. He was in single digits.
0: And and did you know then that this this greatness was unfolding and was absolutely almost guaranteed?
6: Well, you never know for sure, but he had already had three holes and ones and the day that I went out there, uh, uh, the day that I went out there, Sean, he was with his father Earl and he was having so much fun and he dumped some of these balls in the sand trap and out of the sand trap, he knocked four of them in. He knocked four oh, of them in. Out of the twenty or twenty-five that were there, and I'm thinking, my God, you know, if you, how many pros could stand here and do that? They couldn't. So
0: they couldn't. Um, yeah, he, and and he it's sad so that great. he's had obviously the personal issues, but more importantly, all the the physical in, uh, injuries. I mean, when he came back at Augusta, how great was that?
6: It was incredible. And and the and the best thing about it is after you know having such a glorious career, and then going into that valley because of the problem with Elon and the infidelities, and then the DUI and all of the surgeries on his back and his knees and, and just, you know, not having won a major for that decade plus and then to come back and do it, do it last year after all that. It's the greatest comeback in sports. And all I could think of is, is how much it took to get back to that point and having known him since he was, you know, just a youngster when he said that famous line to me that became a commercial, when I grow up I want to win all the majors and beat all the pros. And I could just see that on the 18th green when he hugged his mom in the same spot where he had hugged his dad in in 1997. So there he was 22 years later with that scene that none of us thought we'd ever see again. And and the best thing about it, Sean, he finally let the public in. He let his competitors in. He was able to let them share his joy as opposed to being standoffish Mm -hmm. and pushing them away. Here was a guy who became a human. And let the competitors hug him, and high fived the fans, and was smiling, and had that genuine joy to be able to show this and share this with his children, and it was a beautiful moment. It was a great. What moment.
0: I love about sports is sports mirrors life. I mean, look, you learn to win, you learn to lose, you you learn the harder you work, the better you do. Um, you know, all sorts of great lessons. I love what Muhammad Ali. By the way, I actually have a, a glove. Uh, Uh, Everlast glove signed by him to me after I'd once interviewed his daughter, and I still have it in my office. Uh, But when he said he wants to take you on, that was a pretty cool moment.
6: Yep. uh, Yeah, Ali. well, yeah, that was the last interview, Sean, that you just heard that he ever did on TV. He was the first interview I ever did. I was 18 years old. I was a sports intern, and I was a film. uh, They were converting from film to videotape, so they let me uh, uh, stay at the station as a videotape editor. All the film guys took the buyout. So what happened is I was in editing what I was doing early in the morning, and the assignment editor came running in, and she said, Muhammad Ali's two and a half hours early at Stapleton International Airport. Go get him. Well, nobody had a cell phone, so they couldn't find the anchors. Nobody had a beeper, so they couldn't find the sports reporters. So now I'm 18 years old, never done an interview in my life, and they send me out to interview Ali. I get there after I ask the first question. He said, you're doing the interview? Well, the whole entourage started laughing, but that calmed me down because it made me laugh. And so here I was, 18 years old, and then by the third question, Sean, he said to me, you sound like the local Howard Cosell. You just heard that. I
0: remember. Yeah. You
6: know (laughs) what? That gave me so much confidence. Anyway, I took the tape back. He gave me 45 minutes, and the news director walked in, looked at it, and he watched it twice, and he finally said, you and this videotape are going on the air. It's barely adequate. Well, I've been barely adequate ever since, and uh, that, was no, the start know of, that. that was the start of it.
0: So Muhammad Ali, Tom Brady, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James when he makes his announcement, Michael Jordan, Mike Tyson, Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron, Michael Phelps, Tiger Woods. I don't even know where to begin to start asking you questions because we don't have enough time. And the book, by the way, Amazon.com, Hannity.com, bookstores everywhere talking to goats. Why would you call it talking to goats? <laughs> well,
6: because the greatest. Ali- I'll leave it the goat. Okay, he 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 named it He named himself. He used to say right. at the end of his fights, "I'm the greatest of all time," and then he made it the greatest of all times. And so, you know, there's such a debate now in in all of our sports. You know, uh, who's the goat? Is it Montana? Is it Brady? Is it LeBron? Is it Michael Jordan? Where does Kobe fit in? Is it Tiger or is it Nicholas? And is it you know clearly it's Phelps. He's the most decorated Olympian ever and, and swimmer. Uh, period. So. We just thought it was a clever, uh, catchy, catchy name uh, because I've spoken to all of these guys repeatedly over the years. And so I don't I'll know if you can
0: really decide. It's like well, the, that Rocky movie when, you know, you're comparing R- Rocky in his prime versus I forget who what the character's name was in his prime. And then they have a fight. What was that? Apollo Creed. No, not Apollo Creed. The, the later one where he's older and he comes back and he gets his license. He has that scene with his son, you know, you know. Life ain't about how hard you get hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. <laughs> I don't, I don't want um, <laughs> all right, quick break. Welcome back. My friend Jim Gray, sportscaster, his brand-new book, Talking to Goats, Amazon.com, Hannity.com, bookstores everywhere. Is there anybody he didn't talk to? More on the other side. Then we get back to business, and we'll be talking to Dan Bishop in North Carolina. Video evidence we'll tell you about. And then we will head to the great state of Michigan to get an update on what's the situation on the ground there. That and much more. And as we continue, Jim Gray talking to goats. New book, Amazon.com, Hannity.com, bookstores everywhere. So let me ask you, and by the way, you had a very special relationship with Kobe. And I remember I'm pretty sure I texted you at the time because I knew you were close to him. Um, and you loved him. You knew him forty-one years. Uh, tell us any anecdote you want about any of these guys. Tom Brady, you were close to.
6: Tom Brady is just a, a spectacular guy. I've been fortunate uh, on for the past decade, Sean, to have him on the radio every Monday night uh, on the pregame on Westwood One and at halftime. And he's a special guy. I mean, he is a uh, you know thirty-one cities when he was in New England, thirty-one cities hated him because he won so much, but if you, if you hate this guy, there's something wrong. Well, they love him in Tampa now, so it's down to 30 cities. But if you can't get along with this guy or you don't see how wonderful he is, you know, you better look at yourself. Because this guy, this guy is unbelievably uh, thousands of acts of kindness. He's not doing it for any recognition or acknowledgement. Uh, he, he, he trusts people. People always ask, how do you, how do you, you gain somebody's trust? Well, with Tom, it's easy. Because Tom trusts himself, therefore it's easy for him to trust other people. And if you overstep that, you just you just do yourself in. In other words, you hang yourself. He won't end it. You'll end it yourself by doing you know something that that you shouldn't do. So he, he's he's just um, he, he's been a joy to deal with, a true uh, just a, a a fantastic guy. And you know, look at what all of his teammates say about him. I mean, you can't find a guy who hasn't liked playing with or being around Tom Brady. And it's not just because he wins. It's because of the human being he is. You know, Nelson Mandela said this to me when I had the chance to spend time with him and ask him some questions.
0: Is there, is there anybody that's famous you don't know? I mean, come <laughs> on. I'm, I'm I'm not kidding. But well, go ahead.
6: <laughs> and he said something that, that really applies to Tom. And Maya Angelou, I believe, wrote it for him, but he used it, and he said it to me, and it's the most simplistically genius thing I've ever heard. People will forget what you say, and people will forget what you do, but no one will ever forget the way you make them feel. Every time That's you're true. with Tom Brady, me, I feel better about myself, and I feel better about him. How many people can you say that about?
0: Tell me about Mike Tyson because uh, I've talked to Mike Tyson, and I, he's just a uh, it's it's such a tragedy there, and I don't know. Um, on so many different levels, your thoughts.
6: He's the most honest athlete of my lifetime. Mike Tyson is a is a is a, a man of deep and high intellect. Okay, on one shoulder he has a tattoo of Arthur Ashe and Days of Grace, and on the other shoulder Chairman Mao. He can recite the Red Book and the tenets of it. Okay, he can tell you about Shakespeare and Napoleon, and he is a, a knows all sorts of history. His life has been a roller coaster up and down. He has done despicable acts, things that were heinous, Sean. Okay, he bit off another man's earlobe. But let me tell you something about Mike
0: Amanda type. Holyfield. Yeah, I remember I interviewed Amanda.
6: It, Mike Tyson takes his own medicine. He came out and did that interview. He didn't hide behind some PR statement or some spin four days later. He came out and explained and gave his reasoning as to what had happened. I'm going to tell you one of the insights in the book and talking to goats. Mike wrote me a letter when he was in the penitentiary, a handwritten letter, four, five pages long, Sean. And on the second page, it came to my house inexplicably. We weren't social. It had been opened by penitentiary officials. On the second page, it said, Mr. Gray, that's what he called me, they will let me go tomorrow if I will admit to this rape. However, I did not rape this woman, and I will never admit to something I didn't do. Next paragraph. However, there are four or five other things that I've done throughout the course of my life that are worse than what I'm accused of. Therefore, I feel I'm at the right place at this time. I did the first interview with him when he came out of jail, and I asked him, could I repeat that letter on the air, or was it private? He said, ask me anything you want. So I asked him that question, what was worse? He looked at his lawyer, looked back at me, he said, it's probably best not to answer that question on national television because I don't know the statute of limitations, but let me tell you, what I wrote you is true. And then in the special, I asked him about that again. What was worse, Mike? And he said, karma, buddy, karma. All the things that I
0: did, jail was good for me. Jail was the best for me. Yeah. It's all in the book. Talking to goats. It's on Hannity.com, Amazon.com, and bookstores everywhere. What an incredible life you've led, and uh, I'm honored to be able to call you a friend. On top of all of this, and um, you know, I, I, it's you know, I know this has been a rough political season, pandemic. It's been a tough year. You know, anarchy everywhere. It, it really has helped me in the last. You know, since you gave me an early copy and I've been reading it, you know, it's the only thing that really has been helping me unwind late at night. And I got to thank you for that. And I think everybody really will enjoy it. What an incredible life you've led. What a great person you are. And uh, I love learning about different people, especially people, stars that we all love and admire. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, it's called talking to Can I talking say something
6: goats? about you, Sean? No. Can I say
0: something? <laughs> okay.
6: We what? have never, we have never had a conversation about politics, and you've been my friend all the way since the time I lived back in Atlanta. Okay, and
0: I don't want to talk about politics I, <laughs> with I, you. Never You're had my distraction. That's why I had want a sports
6: conversation. But I just want to say this: you know, you've been a great friend, and and I appreciate it.
0: It's been mutual, and uh, the book's phenomenal. Thank you, my friend Jim Gray, eight hundred nine four one Sean. You want to be a part of the program? here for our final news roundup and information overload at news roundup and information overload our Sean Hannity show 800-941 Sean you want to be a part of the program I know we've gone into great specificity great detail more than uh, a lot of people as it relates to this Dominion software issue and I won't reiterate every point that i made again here um, what I didn't understand as I saw this it first came out with the with Laura Cox and the, the and they're all saying human error, human error, human error. Okay, well, okay, I'll take it on, on, on face value. But 28, 30 states now adopting dominion. But there's been so much criticism twice in 2019, once in 2013, the state of Texas rejected it. And I went through all the specific reasons why, because they didn't feel it was accurate. Uh, the New York Times was critical of it. The AP was critical of it. They had hearings about about these systems and all these liberal Democrats were were critical of it. And then the question is, well, if we're America, why don't we look and use the best system? Well, you know, one that we can always have full, complete, 100 percent faith and trust in. Anyway, actually, PBS, we found a report that they did on the Dominion voting issues in Georgia uh, and uh, here's, what it, here's how that report went out.
7: Election security experts working for the plaintiffs in the lawsuit against the state have uncovered several troubling issues. Alex Halderman looked closely at the QR codes where the votes are encoded for the scanner.
1: By analyzing the structure of the QR codes, I've been able to learn that uh, there's nothing that stops an attacker from just duplicating one and the duplicate would count the same as the original barcode.
7: And in late September, another concern came to light. During testing, election workers found half the names of the 21 candidates for Senate intermittently disappeared.
1: We need paper records that are marked by the voter, with the voters on hand, where we know that was recorded the way that the voter wanted it recorded.
7: So she and the other plaintiffs took aim at the new voting machines. The lawsuit came into sharp focus after their chaotic debut in the June primary. The poll pads took as long as 30 hours to download the voter database, displayed the wrong races, and would randomly shut down. And the power-hungry ballot marking devices blew circuit breakers in numerous locations. Poll workers, many of whom had no hands-on training because of the pandemic, were often befuddled by the new technology.
5: We've learned a lot of lessons. We're putting technicians in every single polling place. We have to make sure that not only do the poll workers know how to use the equipment, but then these technicians are then going to be relied upon to fix any issues. We want to just fly under the radar and do our jobs and, you know, stay away from the news.
0: All right. Now, that report is from July of 2019. So they they're having the same problems that Texas was having, but yet they kept the machines. That's actually a report from NPR on, on, on Georgia. And, you know, so you, you look at this and I'm like, OK, why would any if all these it, when you finally have the New York Times and the state of Texas in agreement Uh, You'd think it would mean something. The New York Times said, in some cases, the new machines required too much extra power for aging polling locations, blowing fuses, never powering on. In others, workers were still being trained just days before the election. They struggled with the setup. And they go on the electronic poll books, also new, were plagued by freezing software and user error. And, you know, keep in mind the presidential election, Dominion voting machines were used in all of Georgia's 159 counties. But these were the problems they were describing from 2019. Um, So, you know, and then you go back to the state of Texas, then you go back to, you know, uh, you know, other liberal media outlets and they were saying it and when you have a razor-thin margin how do you get to the point where people believe in the integrity and have confidence in any voting results anyway here to weigh in on this and more david shown civil liberties attorney board of the alabama civil uh, liberties union actually and he has experience in election law just finished a major brief in an election case and has done election contests Uh, Greg Jarrett is uh, with us, of course, best-selling author, Fox News legal analyst. David, your experience and your thoughts on this, and with all the problems left, and by the way, then you had congressional testimony, Democrats were more angry than Republicans at the time about it.
8: Well, you know, you say that, I mean, one of the things that I've seen is a quote, a a letter written by Ron Wyden, a Democratic senator from Oregon, in which he opined that the voting machine lobby led by the biggest companies believes that they are above the law. They are not held accountable by anyone. That's Democrat, Democratic Senator Ron Wyden writing. It's just unbelievable that we're in this position having to have this discussion. Um, after all that's happened in the past, and now all of a sudden, you know, we're learning about Texas's position. We're learning about lawsuits against uh, a subsidiary of Dominion overseas in the Philippines, 2010-2013, semantic um, I don't it's it's shocking. We're talking about an election of the presidency of the United States. I think for me, you know, one of the most shocking things is, unfortunately, that we're not hearing from Mr. Biden that he is as concerned as President Trump is. It's not a matter of winning or losing. It's a matter of the integrity of the system. Everyone has a stake in that.
0: Well, and in 2018, the Associated Press said that Dominion, quote, long skimped on security in favor of convenience, making it more difficult to detect intrusions. Um, And it was rejected three times by the state of Texas. Greg Jarrett.
1: Yeah, Dominion provides the machines, Smartmatic, their subcontractor, a Venezuelan company, provides the software. And as you pointed out, Sean, even the New York Times recently said, quote, in Venezuela's election, Smartmatic software was manipulated to report a skewed tally. Why in the world are we using this software, this hardware in 30 states, uh, that by a company that has a record of rigging an election in that country, was the software corrupted in this U.S. election? Americans deserves answers. Joe Biden
0: should... Well, let me it. ask you this. Why don't they just... Maybe I'm just thinking too simple-minded here. Why don't they just have computer experts, forensic computer experts, go in one Republican, one Democrat, and examine the machines?
4: Absolutely,
1: they should. It's I, mean, I, don't, well, I man, Am I
0: wrong in thinking that shouldn't be that heavy a lift if they know what they're doing?
1: Absolutely. And that should be <coughs> ordered in all of these venues, 2,000 jurisdictions in 30 states, uh, in which Smartmatic and Dominion uh, machines and software was used. I mean... It's insane. It's a national security threat to be using this foreign uh, voting machines and software. We have the best and the brightest in Silicon Valley. We can't create our own reliable, trustworthy uh, voting systems. Uh, You know, we can send a man to the moon 50 years ago, and here we are in 2020. That was my
0: question, because I have no earthly idea, you know, whether there was a breakdown in these systems or software. I can barely download an app, but... You know, now when you go back in retrospect and you look at all the criticism, AP, New York Times, congressional hearings, um, rejected three times in the state of Texas. There's this Princeton professor, Greg, 2018, tenured professor, specializes in election machinery, believe it or not, and policy and security. His name is Andrew Appel, issued a blistering op-ed on this particular company, And said the Dominion image cast evolution looks like a pretty good voting machine, but it has a serious design flaw. After you mark your ballot, after you review your ballot, the voting machine can print more votes on it. And then he goes on, of course, the legitimate software uh, installed by Dominion won't do that. But the machine is physically capable of it and fraudulent software can exploit this ability. And in 2017, he he was in hearings in Capitol Hill, and he explained how fraudulent software could be used to seriously alter an election. Am am I saying this happened? No, I'm just saying, why would you pick that machine based on all of this criticism from both sides?
1: Well, you, you don't. And Trump's legal team, to your point, Sean, insists they have serious and substantial evidence to prove that thousands of phantom votes were added to Biden's tally in key states, giving him a narrow victory instead of the loss that he actually earned this back door apparently allows anyone to go in there especially election officials who want to rig an election and they can erase vote tallies from trump tens of thousands of them they can upload non-existent votes for joe biden
8: listen you know part of what's offensive about this is the media making a mockery of the challenge First of all, there may be fraud, there may not be fraud, but it doesn't have to rise to the level of fraud. What we also know is that since January, at least, there have been some vulnerability to hacks identified in these systems because patches weren't updated by Microsoft in many of these systems. Everyone should be concerned about the integrity of our voting system. It's probably our most important right under the Constitution, right from which so many others flow. There's no business making a mockery of it. It's not the president's job to have to challenge this, quite frankly. We should there should be an open investigation and transparency. That's what the president wants. I'm sure Joe Biden ought to want that as well.
0: Well, we spent four years, Greg, on the Russia hoax and lie. We can spend four weeks making sure that the election result has integrity and people will have confidence in it. Um, you know, even The New York Times, I'll go back and quote them again. Uh, they cast grave doubt, for example, on the reliability of widespread mail in voting. And they indicated it was, quote, more vulnerable to fraud than conventional voting. Yeah. Um, now we see a push towards uh, all of this. And by the way, Stacey Abrams was bragging already in the state of Georgia, 600,000 mail-in requests for ballots for the Senate runoff. And the governor down there is doing nothing. There, there certainly are lapses in this consent decree agreement, I believe, in terms of signature verification. You have two different standards I'm not exactly sure how, you know, you have equal justice under the law that way.
8: No, you don't. I uh, got to jump in just one thing. I got to tell you, in Georgia, the problem to me at least goes well beyond that. You know that there are advertisements for people to come to Georgia Pretend to be making, they don't say pretend, but this is what they mean. Pretend to be, and considering making Georgia your home, register to vote by December 5th. This way you can vote in the uh, Senate runoff elections. You know what, if you change your mind afterwards, oh well. That's called fraud.
0: Well, I think you've got one of the presidential candidates, I don't remember which one, but the, one of the lesser candidates said that he actually is thinking of moving there. I think, Tom, yeah. did Tom Friedman... Oh, Ethan was a t- somebody over there, I think said the same thing. I don't know who.
1: Yeah, well, you know failed presidential candidate yang uh, you know said he and his wife were moving to Georgia so yeah, they can vote you know, so they can vote uh, in the upcoming election. That is fraud. I agree with David hundred um, percent because they're not uh, truly and sincerely uh, intending to be residents. They're doing it uh, to help a candidate and and that's fraud. Uh, You know, this whole thing is insane, but Trump's legal team say they have evidence. They're entitled to present that evidence and argue that proof in a court of law. That's how our system works. It has always worked that way. Uh, And, frankly, Joe Biden should welcome the legal challenges. If he wants to be viewed as a legitimate president, assuming he wins, he has to convince half of America that he won fair and square, and that he didn't steal an election. Uh, you know, Trump was harassed for four years by the media and Democrats that he stole an election. There was no proof of it. We now know it was the big lie. So, you know, Biden is going to be hobbled by the same thing if he doesn't come out and say yes. We need to look at every. Okay. Don't hold legal your breath.
0: Uh, he's he's picking out drapes. He's busy. He's got drape colors to <laughs> pick
1: the basement in in delaware
0: All right. as we continue uh, we'll get to your calls next half hour 800 941 sean if you want to join us uh david shown greg jarrett all right next steps because uh, greg jarrett time's running out
1: well there's a respected legal process candidates test the legitimacy of an election outcome if there's fraud it should be exposed if the fraud is significant enough or systemic, it might change the outcome of which candidate actually won the presidency based on valid votes that were cast. So the clock is running, as you point out. Uh, They've got less than a month now to present their arguments in a court of law.
0: Your thoughts, David Schoen, and what should be done? I'll ask you this question if we have time on the other end.
8: Yeah, well, I think that they have to continue uh, again. It's an examination that's going on. It's in everybody's interest. In Georgia, by the way, it's the law that provides for a recount when they're within 0.5%. There's a reason for that law. Everyone understands that mistakes are made. The media needs to stop making a mockery of it and be concerned about the integrity of the system, just like they were in past years when their candidate. Uh, didn't seem to be favored.
0: Yeah. Uh, And they're not going to do anything before the Georgia runoff, are they? Uh,
8: I don't know. You know, they have a deadline now to report the results in Georgia. Um, So that's coming up. They're furiously doing this hand count. But, you know, the challenges go on. Um, And, uh, you know, it's it's an important process.
0: All right, and uh, Greg Jarrett, thank you as well, David. Thank you. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean, you want to be a part of the program? We'll pu- we'll tie all of this together tonight on Hannity, nine Eastern on the Fox News Channel, and violence that took place all around the country that nobody in the mob and the media even seemed to notice this weekend. Well, shocking. All right, quick break, right back, your calls, final half hour, straight ahead, Sean Hannity Show. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, you want to be a part of the program. I mentioned earlier in the program today, uh, if you're just getting in your car, joining us late, welcome aboard, glad you could be with us. But um, you notice the mob, the media, well, let's go back to just before Election Day. What were we watching? We were watching Rodeo Drive was being boarded up you know, for fear of what election results might bring afterwards. Same in New York City and other cities as well. And anyway, so you get through I haven't seen any violence. I watched on Saturday, massive crowds marching on Washington, the, the MAGA march that took place there. And then you got the uh, violent, I guess, Antifa supporters or whatever, all these varying groups there. And you see all these different, you know, People out there going after families that are sitting in restaurants after the, the march. Now, we've watched this now for four years. Nobody in the mob, the media seemed to care, be it, uh, you know, then Homeland Security secretary being attacked or Sarah Sanders, you know, and her family run out of restaurants. or what happened to Ted Cruz? What happened to so many Republicans? nah media just nah, not a problem. Anyway, so you got all these people, 20 people ended up being arrested amid the violent clashes. But you wouldn't know it if you watched the mob in the media. You got all these videos showing anti-Trump demonstrators shouting at families, sucker punching people in the street, harassing an old woman carrying a Trump flag. Two young Trump supporters reportedly doused with liquid substances and others hit with eggs uh, in one video that Drew Hernandez, I guess, whoever that is, had posted, I, uh, which I saw. Man with a bloody head stumbling in another video. And, well, here are some of the sounds of it. We'll show you on TV tonight. <laughs> I guess we would what what side was going to react violently um anyway so you see what happened supporters hit with fireworks at a restaurant after the march And and there was a lot of it, by the way. But the media mob, they just ignored it. All right, let's get to our phones, as we promised. Uh, John is in Florida. John, hi, how are you? Glad you called. Happy Monday. Thanks for being with us.
4: Thank you very much. Well, I was going to um, help out my good friend, Andrew, since he's moving to Georgia. Um, We've owned property in Georgia for five years. So does that mean, as a Florida resident, I can just go up there and vote? Because I already do own property in Georgia.
0: Um, I would not advise anybody against breaking the law or doing something that we all know is 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 wrought in corruption and fraud In good conscience. I would never advise anybody to do that, just like I tell people, pay your taxes. Uh, and, you know, if we don't like laws, we got to elect people that will change them the way we want them. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the calls for, oh, just move down to Georgia and just vote. I'm like, really? <laughs> Dude, nobody seems to have a problem with any of this. Uh, yeah, but it wouldn't surprise me. I, I mean, it just yeah. is. It just reeks. I, I you know, it's sort of like they know not what they say or do here because for them, it's about power. It's about the agenda. When you think of what is at stake, John, in this uh, the runoff on January 5th and, and problems that we know already exist in Georgia that they're not dealing with. And we need to have trust, faith, integrity, confidence in all election results. And it's not hard to do. You don't want to know why I know that, John? Because your state of Florida, which has had its own fair share of troubles over the years, has cleaned up its mess and gotten its act together, thanks to Governor DeSantis down there. And everybody has faith and confidence in the results. That's all people are looking for here. You know, I've been doing this 33 years. I've had my fair share of wins And I've had election years that are disappointing. I've had both. And, you know, um, people are, what are you going to do now? I'm going to, I'm like, fight for liberty and freedom till my last breath. There's my answer. Unbelievable. Um, You know, how are they going to hide Biden? It's going to be hiding Biden. I mean, how how do you, if, if this guy gets to be president, what do they do with the mess that they've just created here? I just don't believe he's strong enough. I don't think he has the strength. The stamina, the mental alertness and acuity to be president. I'll be proven right or wrong. Democrats said that about Reagan. They said it about McCain. Nobody else mentioned anything about Biden. It was very few of us that even broached the ever so sensitive um, topic that everybody personally that I knew of was talking about. Uh, Anyway, thanks for the call. Ohio, we got Kathy next. Hi, Kathy. How are
3: you? good thank you for talking to me um my husband is, is a veteran and worked in the military and we love our country we love our president we, we love and appreciate you very much the problem is is what i talk to so many people and you're saying vote you know, make sure you vote. People feel like they don't have a voice anymore. I don't see many people in the GOP fighting. There's a handful that because they got rehired. So they're like, well, they're not fighting for us. You, you ask for people to go and vote in Georgia. And how do we know that it's not going to be cheated again? I have talked to so many people. I mean, I am very patriotic. We're, we're there to vote. I and mean, We would have we been there sick or not sick. We would have been there to vote. But you get to a place where you talk to people after the election and they're like, why vote? Why vote listen you
0: anyway. can't you, we, we, you can't surrender. I mean, what is the I option know. here? You know, think of I all you, you you just mentioned your husband is in the service, right? He, imagine well, we wouldn't have this country but for the the risk that soldiers have taken all throughout our history and put their lives on the line for us, right?
3: Absolutely. And I'm not saying about surrender, but I'm just saying you hear people and they feel like they're doing the right thing and it's not making a difference because we're being cheated. And I don't feel like the GOP, there's a handful, James James Jordan, um, um, Ted Cruz. I mean, there's a a handful that's really working for us. The other ones are laying low. And it's like, where is the support? Where's the people that are fighting for our president?
0: Hey, Kathy, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be very blunt here. You know, the three years, I don't know how long you've listened to this program, but you know, I've spent three years on this whole Russia collusion narrative hoax, right? We got every single part of that story correct. At the end of the process, when I look at between my radio staff and television staff and, and our ensemble cast, as I call them, and then the few in Congress that actually did the work and the digging... It's less than 30 people that were all hands on deck. And we we beat every institution, every lie that they 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 were peddling. We exposed to be a lie. So, you know, it's going to take a great awakening of the American. people. You cannot lose heart. You can't. America's overcome way too much. You know, look, uh, I never thought John McCain was a particularly strong candidate at all. Okay, but there really there was this Obama movement at the time and I don't think I don't know who at the time could have defeated him. And I'll say something else. Republican I'm not a Republican. Republicans still are weak, kind of spineless, feckless, visionless to me. And the Republican Party th- this this 72 million, you know, person movement was about ideas led by a charismatic fighter, Donald Trump. And Americans went in record numbers to the polls for, for a guy that said what he meant, meant what he said, fulfilled his promises and take out coronavirus. You know, we made so much progress. And by the way, on coronavirus, we now have another vaccine. This is number two. Um, And, You know, it's it's frustrating as hell. I'm not going to disagree with you uh, to watch all of this and not get to the bottom of all of this. But if we don't get our election laws straightened out and that means voter ID, signature verification, I mean, all these things that we're thinking about, you can't have mass mail in ballots. Even The New York Times was right in saying it lends itself to corruption. Then, you know, we're we're only going to see this sort of thing again. Which is what frustrates me about the Georgia governor, because they should be counting and comparing the signatures down in Georgia, which they're not doing. And he has no intention of getting it right, apparently. He's just hiding in, I guess, the governor's mansion down there. Um, But are these concerns that we have? Yeah, if the the stated policies of Bolshevik Bernie, Joe, Kamala, AOC and company are implemented, yeah, we're going to be in deep trouble. My
5: vision is, is ex- more extensive than anybody's out there, but it's made to look like, well, Biden is coming off with some moderate proposal. There's nothing moderate about med- making sure everyone has health care. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, we would, we would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated. We, we, we should set out the rules for what kind of plant, you know coal burning plants. No one's going to build another coal burning. We've got to shut the ones down we have, but no one is going to build a new one. We need to go out and make it clear to the American people that we are going to. We are going to raise taxes on the wealthy. That in, I, would, I would raise the capital gains tax to the highest rate of 39.5%. I would double it. As the mayor said, you cannot let people who are sick, no matter where they come from, no matter what their status, go uncovered. You can't do that. It's just going to be taken care of, period. You have to. It's a humane thing to do. Guess what? They're the reason why. The legal as well as undocumented. are The reason why our society is functioning. The reason why our economy is growing. We don't talk about that. We stand up and act like it's a burden. It is not a burden. It's a gift. 11 million people living in the shadows. I believe they're already American citizens. To gun owners out there who say, well, a Biden administration means they're gonna come for my guns. Bingo, you're right if you have an assault weapon. The fact of the matter is they should be illegal, period.
0: You're not saying that you support everything in the original Green New Deal Do you think it goes too far is it unrealistic promising too much no
5: it's not i think the green new deal deserves an enormous amount of credit for bringing this to a head in a way that it hasn't been before it hasn't been but the reason i don't know i'm not opposed to the green new deal what i did was what i thought beyond, at least in more detail, what the Green New Deal is calling for.
0: Would you support uh, a carbon tax? Other ca- Some other candidates said they would.
5: Yeah, no, I, I I would. I know I get criticized. I'm told I get criticized by the new left. I am the most progressive record of anybody running for the United States. Anybody who would run.
0: I tried to warn everybody, and look, and I told you it was going to be close. I knew, I knew it, felt it. I, I never trusted with all these ballots being mailed out anywhere everywhere. Never trusted it, and I don't I don't know if you can trust that system. You know, especially last minute as it was, rushing the changes. It's uh, very frustrating. We, you know, we're the greatest country on earth. We can have a system that we can trust, that we can have faith in, that we can have confidence in. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean is our number. You want to be a part of the program. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Uh, Hannity, tonight, set your DVR, 9 Eastern, Fox News Channel. You know, the mob media just ignoring all of the violence against Trump supporters this weekend at the MAGA march in D.C. Amazing. Uh, Sarah Palin will uh, weigh in on Obama's attacks against her. Uh, We'll have the very latest on what's going on in terms of recounts integrity, election, and all that you need to know. Uh, Kaylee McEnany, Steve Scalise, Ari Fleischer, Matt Gates, much more. Leo Terrell, 9 Eastern, CEDVR, Hannity Fox. We'll see you tonight at 9, back here tomorrow. As always, thank you for being with us.